the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. It's earnings season where companies come clean about their last 90 days of business. But it's also always economics. The data releases that hit the street on a day-by-day basis, week over week, month to month, that we're looking for any sort of trends Let's bring in Joe Doe, economics analyst at thestreet.com. You can find him at thestreet.com. Joe, how are you doing today? Great. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. It's earnings season, so I'm a little intimidated by the incredible, you know, uh, Google's numbers last night, just enough to digest. But then there's tens and twenties and other companies to look at. Uh, what right. are you seeing economically right now? We've seen a, 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 number, a couple of good reports come out. Uh, the, the retail sales number is obviously the top line number that most people have been looking at. It came up, you know, rose the mo- most month over month since uh, late 2012. So that that was positive to look at. I think economists were there were a couple sides to this, which was one that we were actually seeing retail sales uh, come on after the cold winter, right? So you and I have heard a million times, and probably a lot of your listeners, oh, it's been such a cold winter and this is slowing down growth. Well, it right. does seem like a little bit of that pent-up demand from um, from consumers carried over into the March month, and so we saw that nice little bump. Um, and then and then uh, today the jobless claims came out a, l- a little bit better than expected. We had 304,000 jobs added. Consensus was looking for something in around 312,000. And actually what's interesting is the lowest part of that range uh, in other words, the the person or uh, you know bank who expected you know on the low end of what claims would be was 305,000. So we still dip below that. It looked pretty nice. And then maybe more importantly is that four-week moving average. Um, we dropped down to 312,000 uh, claims per week versus about 316,000. So what does all this say? It says that the economy seems to be on some pretty generally decent footing. Um, maybe we're starting to see signs of the those seedlings, you know, coming through that all that pent-up demand that uh, was taken from us in the cold months of December, January, and February now are translating into, uh, well, at least we hope, uh, more of what we saw this week, and that is, you know, better consumer sentiment next week uh, and, and the like. That underpinning of things looking a little bit better than expected with retail sales with first-time unemployment claims, that should probably lay kind of like the, the seeds for a pretty good, you know, summer slash fall. Is that the assumption that we're making? We'd hope so, right? Um, 
we could see we could see these spring numbers in the labor in the and the labor market really um, jump up. I, I mean, it's important to remember that last month the the March number that we had come out did show 192,000 jobs, which was you know under expectations, but. Um, Sometimes I think, you know, and, and this is probably something that you know, Rob, is sometimes we pay so much attention to what Wall Street is expecting, you know, the the gen, the, uh, the estimate, here's what all these different banks expect, um, that you sometimes feel like you can overlook what is a decent number. And, and I think for the most part, and I, I did get a few comments from readers and some different analysts when I wrote a story saying that it seemed like everyone was saying things were bad, and they kind of argued against me. They said, listen, we, we, we think a lot of people have been saying that this number was good. 192,000, and that could be signaling some stronger numbers in April, uh, maybe even May. And like you said, um, you know, heading into the the summer months and maybe into the fall, um, some people might be saying, "Well, what about this volatile stock market?" Right. Well, I think this is a, a good time, a good example of when you know the stock market and the economy don't always just go up together, right? You know, if uh, I was talking to a former uh, chairperson of the Miami Federal Reserve Bank, um, uh, Dorothy Weaver, yesterday, and she said, listen, you know, if if this was all about the economy, if we're investing all about the economy, everybody would be putting their money in and they'd be making money, right, because there's growth in this economy. But the market right now, you know, we had such a great year in 2013, 30% up on the S&P. You know, there's a lot of volatility in the market. There's a lot of people saying, well, you know, maybe I should pull out my money because I felt like I've made so much in the past year, year and a half. And then there's others who feel like, oh, you know, do I want to be the one who doesn't get on the bandwagon, right? And I don't make money if there is still some money to be made. So uh, even though I'm sure it's difficult for people saying, well, what is it? It seems to be a whirlwind or a tornado of different data sets coming out. I think on the whole that you listen to what the Fed is saying, which is, yeah, we're we're on the up. Uh, we're still slowly moving higher, but we're also not pulling back. Is that the general consensus that you, you just kind of hinted that some people want to get out of the market, some people want to get in the market? I think I'm jaded now because I'm always in the market. And <laughs> I just I, I just maybe get a little more conservative, maybe I get a little more aggressive. Are there still people out there who think the market's rigged or too volatile and they want to get in or get out? It's interesting. I was sitting down with somebody uh, about a week ago and asked them about, well, you know, the big conversation this week seems to have been, you know, the rigging of the market and, uh, you know, the high-frequency traders. And, and the person said, you know, I, I can see that, um, but it depends on what market you're talking about, right? And and to assume that every market is rigged is, is probably, you know, just not really the case. Um, you know, there are it's it's not always the high frequency trading you know traders are going to be the ones you know completely moving a market um so i i mean i understand you know why the the michael lewis book has brought to light an issue that you know i i think we've been talking about for a number of years which is the high frequency traders that the average person in the public may may not have been familiar with uh but at the same time to say that you know, there's no reason for you to be in the market and that you have no chance uh, may overstate, you know, how bad the situation is. Let's talk a little bit about that high-frequency trading since you brought it up. Um, to me, my read on it is it's it's part of the game, but we're at 52-week highs, what, 7 out of 10 years on the S&P 500 for the last yeah. 100 years. Yeah. Are we are, are we reading too much into there's a boogeyman and this year it's high-frequency trading? 
Maybe. I mean, you got to remember, even the high-frequency traders have the market working against them, right? Um, you know, markets are, you know, uh, you know, there, there's there's a way of looking at markets as, you know, about as as perfect and imperfect as imperfect can be, right? Um, you know, on the whole, uh, it, it, the the market is always trying to figure out if a, an asset uh, is is overvalued or undervalued, and and two sides or what, however many sides are working to get that price at the point at which, you know, most people can agree that it really sits at. So, you know, maybe okay, sure, maybe you have. Yeah, I mean, let's use the example of we're, we're on the one-year anniversary of gold dropping off more than 13% over a two-day period on trading day of April 12th, Friday, April 12th, and Monday, April 15th. There were a number of large funds who basically came in and said, uh, "We're going to take some. We're going to take a big bit of money off the table, right?" And what happened? Well, when one made a move, the high-frequency you know traders, in other words, the the computers that everybody had set up. Automatically hit sell stops, and so they sold off all that all that gold. Well, it didn't start because of a high frequency trader saying, "Oh, we're you know suddenly we've gotten close to a sell stop." No, it was one player in the market, maybe a couple players in the market with a substantial position who just sold, right? And then everybody else reacted to that move. That was a human move. That that the initial move was a human move. Now you could say, like many of the analysts I spoke to at the time argued, you could say that. Before high frequency trading, you may not have seen the, the heavy sell-off that you saw in the price of, of paper gold, right? Futures sold on the CME. Um, but one of the other things that happened in in that market was you had, for the first time, uh, a huge market sell-off, uh, you know, uh, in in a space that, of gold, which now had ETFs trading as well. So when the ETFs saw the sell-off, um, they also started started trading further downward. Now. To say that the whole situation uh, was driven by high frequency trading, I you know I've asked I remember asking people last year. They said no, no, that that's that's not the case. There were so many. There was a big player players in this space who wanted to sell off, and then other people saw it going off, and it was just an old fashioned uh, you know panic of sorts. People just wanted to get out. I'm speaking with Joe Doe. Economics analyst with thestreet.com. You can find his work at thestreet.com. Clearly, very insightful. Um, let's change the topics and go back to the economy and, and talk housing starts. Are, are, is there weakening there, and will it be replaced with autos? Will it be replaced with? I heard this recently. Manufacturing. Um, what are you seeing in the housing? You know, I was uh, reading some research of uh, one, one uh, group who puts out a, a good bit of uh, economic research. You know, and they, they said, you know, when you look at it, it does look a little bit weak, but it's it's interesting that February saw an upwardly revision of housing starts to of by 1.4 percent. So, uh, you know, I, I think I think a lot of people are, you know, it, this is one of those things: housing starts and 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 new home sales and all of these housing numbers. You look and people are saying, okay, here we are, five and a half years out of the recession, and we're still trying to gr- get a grip of where this this housing market is. Right? It's obviously it's obviously in a pos- moving in a positive direction. Now, is it you know booming? No, certainly not. But you look at the housing starts number and you kind of say, okay, this is one of many, you know, month to month to month, uh, and and maybe this was a little bit weaker than anticipated. But it is positive to see that in February, when February was supposed to be one of those cold months. Uh, you know that you know all economic activity was slowing down. We did see a, a nice little upward revision. Thanks very much. It's Joe Doe. You can find him at thestreet.com. 
He's the economics analyst, Joe Doe. He's got an interesting pronunciation of a simple kind of French name, D-E-A-U-X. If you're looking for him online, Google Joe, D-E-A-U-X. Joe Doe, economics analyst at thestreet.com. You can find out more about me at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Bloomberg Market Minute. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.